I bring greetings from the saints from all the way over there <laughs> of Grace Point North Church. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share and open God's word with you all today. Um, this is about the point of Pastor Andrew's sabbatical where the novelty probably has worn out, right? Where you're like, ooh, we get a new voice. Let's, let's hear and let's listen to what the new guy is. And then you're like, oh, when's Pastor Andrew coming back? And challenge accepted. Um, not because of anything that I have to say or not because of anything that this vessel has to present, but because of everything of this. So won't you join with me in rising for the public reading of God's word. And God's word comes to us today from Luke chapter 19, verses 36 to 40. Uh, the verses 35, excuse me, to 40. And here now, the reading of God's holy word. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh, sorry. The grace withers and the flower falls. Please be seated. Now let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, at this time that we've come to the order of worship where we get to sit under the preaching of your word. And so we ask, oh God, that you would feed your church, that God, that you would nourish your people this day. And so we pray, oh Lord God, that Holy Spirit, even now you are illumining the scriptures to the understandings of your people, that you are opening up the hearts and ears and minds of your people so that they may readily receive your truth. And so in order for that to happen, then, O oh God, won't you hide your servant behind your cross so that only your gospel truth will be proclaimed at this time. We lift this time up to you, O oh Lord, and we thank you so much. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Where's our youth students here? This is, this, I, this is my second time where I get to preach to our youth students. Are there any of them here from, from our February? Uh, awesome. Good to see you guys. I'm excited to share God's word with you guys again. Um, I love the youth. I love whichever child is crying. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Please. Um, like parents, you, we want to honor you. We want to exalt you. It is such a gift to be able to show our kids. Look, we don't need to make Disneyland every week for our kids, right? What's more valuable is them to be able to see my parents worshiping and other grown-ups worshiping as well. And what I like to always tell my congregations is, what do you expect, a three-year-old to focus or a 30-year-old to focus? Well, nowadays with TikTok, it's, it's a tough answer. But the idea and the expectation is that the 30 and the 40s, and I see some 50s and 60s here as well, are the ones who are going to be able to focus better. So no, don't turn around if a baby, like, oh, okay, baby cried. I mean, unless it's a death scream, then be worried and go support the parents. But otherwise, kudos to our parents for all the children that are able to worship with us this day. 
And so as we come to God's word, I have a question for you. And this will be the question that will guide us during our sermon, during the sermon today. Who do you praise? Or what do you praise? I think this question is an honest, simple question that we can ask ourselves. And as uh, Junie shared earlier, I am a recent transplant to the area. And so one thing that I have learned is that this town loves sports, okay? And uh, I wanted to take credit for all the Philly teams making it to the finals, but then I didn't want to take credit anymore because they didn't make it to the finals. The Sixers didn't make it to the finals, uh, didn't finish the finals, and the Sixers didn't make it to the finals either. But what do you praise? Is it a praise team? Uh, is it a sports team? Is it, is it your spouse? Do you praise your spouse? And we should, husbands, we should adore our wives. Do we, do we praise our children? Good job, right? And these are all good things, don't get me wrong. But what do we ultimately praise is a question that I would like us to think about as we go through this text this morning. I want to make the case that we ought to praise Jesus. I want to make the case that Cornerstone Presbyterian Church would be a church that celebrates the blessings that God has granted you through your, uh, through your officers, through your pastoral staff, but ultimately praises Jesus. And so our text this morning comes from the triumphal entry. Many of you are probably familiar with this story if you grew up in the church. And so what I want to make from, draw out from our text this morning are four points that uh, wants to make the case that we ought to be praising Jesus and Jesus alone. First, is that his praise is foretold and instructed in Old Testament prophecy. Second, his praise can't be stopped. Third, the problem is us. And fourth, what is the gospel point? So here we go. If you, knew, if you didn't know, the triumphal entry wasn't just a scene to celebrate Jesus, but it was actually a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so here from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, let me read the prophecy that is being fulfilled here in our text this morning. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This Old Testament passage is being fulfilled by Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. And this Old Testament passage commands its readers, commands the people of God to rejoice greatly, to shout aloud. Why? Because your king is here. Your king is coming. And not only is this just any king, this king, as we see from Zechariah, is righteous and has salvation and having salvation is he this is the king that is being approached into his kingdom into his city jerusalem and so we are commanded to worship this king but nowadays nobody likes kings nobody likes authority 
We don't like to be faced with this authority because let's be honest, right? Oftentimes, our interaction with authority has been not so much of an authority that is righteous, but one that is what? Abusive. One that is more power hungry. And so maybe some of our young people here are thinking, yeah, you're talking about my parents. I don't want to do this. This is not a command to praise. But yet, this king is also described as righteous. Not unjust. Not unfair, not corrupt, but righteous. But also, he is described as humble. As humble. Let me take a few moments to kind of unpack that for us a little bit. He is worthy of our praise because he is called king, he is called righteous, he has salvation, and he is humble. Remember, I just shared that the triumphal entry is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And so give me some license here as I'm kind of, you know, let me just kind of draw a picture of Jesus as he's kind of praying and, and thinking this through. I need to give you some context to understand what's kind of at stake here. For those of you who know the story of Jesus' ministry, this is a time where Jesus is not very well liked by the religious leaders. He's not very welcomed. And where is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is religious central. And so here, as Jesus is praying in his ministry, and he, as he is reflecting on God's word, he comes to Zechariah 9 and goes, Father, whoa, Father, wait a minute here. Wait, I, I, I have to go to Jerusalem? Father, you know. You know who's there. You know who's waiting for me there. Remember, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And in that moment of, do I really have to go there? We see Jesus replying and responding in the positive. I don't think this is too much conjecture on my part, because why? We actually literally see a real scene later on in the Gospels of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, do we not? Where he prays the same prayer. But I have not come to what? Abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill your law and to fulfill your word, O oh God. But grant me another, another comical moment here where if Jesus is saying, okay, Father, you want me to go to Jerusalem? Okay, I will go. But come on, Father. On a donkey? Come on. Like, like if I'm going to go, let me go with this like, like, like this, this image of might with this image of greatness so that maybe at least those who hate me and dislike me in Jerusalem will tremble a little bit. But God, Father, on a donkey? And when you read Zechariah chapter 9, it's not just on an adult, grown-up donkey. It says on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And you can imagine how comical that must have been where with this great procession, you're expecting, wow, what is all these people shouting about? What, what's coming up? What's, what's it, what are we expecting? And you see this guy on a donkey. During the nine o'clock service, I used Deacon Elmer as an example of saying, just to kind of illustrate how this may have not been the most macho thing, imagine Deacon Elmer with his booming voice and his heavy set frame trying to sit on a 
baby colt. And so I was genuinely worried that when he didn't come up to pray, because I didn't have a chance to apologize during, or I didn't clear it with him before I used him as an example. But thank God he's, he prayed, and now he's gone again. I have to find him after service. Or think of any other big guy who's sitting on a colt, and how much respect are you going to garner from that? And Jesus could have been like, Father, to Jerusalem? Wait, on a colt? Come on! And yet... Sorry. He obeys. His humility is demonstrated in that not my will, but your will be done, O God. Not my word be fulfilled. Not my image. Not my macho-ness. I want to be mighty, Father. Right? Maybe some of them might think that. But he says, may your word be fulfilled, O Father. And this is the humble king that we are called to worship this day. Who do you praise? Second point. His praise can't be stopped. In the Lucan account, we just see in verse 39, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples, right? And so to give some more context, let me read for us from the Matthew account of the triumphal entry. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 15, Matthew writes, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were indignant. And so here then, that gives us the reason why in verse 39, the Pharisees from the crowd tell Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're being too loud. Right? They're being too rowdy. Right? And what is that implying though? They're saying, you're not worthy of this. You're not deserving of these titles that are being cried out right now. But what does Jesus reply? He says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. His praise can't be stopped. For those of you who grew up in the church, did you ever, in, uh, in children's ministry, did you ever hear this from maybe the children's director? You're not singing louder. God can't hear you. God's going to be sad if you don't sing louder. If you sing louder, I'll give you candy. You might get immediate response and immediate results, but you've just set up that child up for a lifetime of misunderstanding who God is. Because how many of you guys think this morning that you're doing God a favor by showing up today? I've done a lot of my ministry in the Korean immigrant church, like large 22,000, you know, 2,000 plus size churches. And this isn't to throw shade on them at all or anything like that. I love the Korean American church and the immigrant church. But whenever the senior pastor is gone, attendance drops by like 25%. Right? So some of you guys might be thinking, well, you know what? Pastor Andrew's been gone for like two months. I'm still here. God must be so pleased. Do you think that? Do you think that you're doing God a favor? Well, what does Jesus tell us with that, those of us who have that kind of mentality? He says, you know what, actually, thanks, but the rocks will cry out. 
Who do you praise? Psalm 19, Romans 1, famous passages. I'm not going to go over them all specifically. Tell us that all of creation declare the glory of God. Aren't we reminded of, of Paul as he's addressing the Athenians in Acts 17, where he says he commends them for all the worship that they have. They even have an altar to the unknown God. But he says, I'm going to introduce you to a God who doesn't need these temples, who is not served by human hands. In fact, actually, it's not that he needs us. It's we need him. So how many of you think that you're doing God a favor? by showing up this morning. I hope and pray that his word will correct our hearts if we think that way. Aren't we reminded of the Old Testament story of Uzzah? But as you grow up in the church once again, another story that should be familiar to us, where David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so he makes a lot of preparations, a 30,000 man par uh, parade, oxen, and a brand new cart and he puts that ark on there and they're traveling and what happens? Of course, they hit a bump on the road. But Uzzah, a Levite, seeing that, reaches out and touches the ark so that it won't fall on the ground. And what happens? God's wrath strikes him down. And when you read the text, it says David was angry. God, don't you know? What I did for you here? I woke up this morning, God. I rolled out of bed this morning, God. I actually got in my car and I showed up to church. God, how can you do this? And then later it says David was afraid. Who is this? Who have I taken lightly that even my best isn't enough? What I think is my best. This could be another sermon, so I won't go into 2 Samuel there. But R.C. Sproul makes an amazing point here. When speaking about the potential indignation that a reader might read and says, what kind of God is this? Uzzah was just trying to prevent the ark from falling on the ground. What kind of messed up God is that? And R.C. Sproul asks this question. In the eyes of a holy God, what is dirtier? Dirt that is part of God's creation where God says, be dirt, and dirt says, okay. Or man, where God gave in the Mosaic law to a Levite, who should be familiar, don't touch the ark. Oh, no, no, God, I got this. Don't worry. I know what you said, but I know better. It's going to fall, God. I'm going to go touch it. Don't touch the ark. R.C. Sproul asks, in the eyes of a holy God, What's dirtier, obedient dirt or disobedient man? Of all creation, remember, I referenced Psalm 19 and Romans 1. All creation declares the glory of God. Of all creation, you and I are the only ones that don't glorify Him. What do you praise? Who do you praise? And that draws us to the third point. The problem is us. The problem is that we don't. We will praise everything else but God often. And when we happen to praise God, we think we're doing God a favor. 
the problem is us. Or maybe it could be a scenario. <clears throat> we live in a time that's more and more antagonistic against the Christian faith and against biblical truths. Where we're reminded of like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, no, I will not bow down to those gods. Would you stand? Let's say in our passage today, I don't know if the Pharisees spoke out loud to Jesus or pulled him aside, but maybe if he spoke out loud to them and they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Would you have heard that and go, oh, because once again, they're the leaders of society. They're the respected religious leaders. Would you have gone silent? Maybe, I might have. In our sin, we don't praise Jesus and praise other things instead. Of all creation, we are the only things that God created that doesn't glorify Him. We'd rather glorify our vacations. We'd rather glorify our house, houses. We'd rather glorify my, our degrees or our bank accounts. We'd rather glorify everything else except for the Creator. And this is us. What do we do? We didn't read it in our passage, passage this morning. But Luke continues to read that Jesus weeps. Let me read for us from verse 41 to 42. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus weeps over this group of people who should have been fulfilling Zechariah 9, where the command, once again, what was it? To rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. And we're thinking, who? What? And Jesus weeps and he says, Oh, that you would even know, had known on this day, the things that make for peace. And you know the irony behind that? Jerusalem, in the Hebrew, you might hear the word shalom there. Literally means place of peace, place of shalom. And Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. But what's the gospel point here? We didn't see it in our passage today because for those of you who know, Luke in Luke's intended audience are not the Jews. They're, they are non-Jews. So you see Luke intentionally not putting in some familiar words. But we read the Matthew account, did we not? And in there, and here's a gospel point, in there we see that the people cry out, not just from what Luke says here, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, but he, they invoke a specific Hebrew word and they cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. What does Hosanna mean? Many of us might be familiar with that word and think of it as a word, a declaration, a proclamation of praise. And oftentimes it is. And that's the song of response that I requested the praise team to do later. But actually, unlike hallelujah, which literally means God be praised, Hosanna doesn't mean that. In fact, for those of you who may know, Hosanna means, Lord, save us. Pray, save us. 
and hear the proclamation that is going out as Jesus on this ridiculous looking donkey is entering into literally what everyone knew was probably his death. And he himself knew that. We're crying out, save us, O Lord, save us. And my hope and my prayer and my genuine prayer is that in response to who do we praise, that's all I can cry out. That's all I can beg for the Lord's mercy. Hosanna, Hosanna. That the gospel point here is that we have no other hope but to cling to the mercy of this great king who is once again righteous, able to save, and humble. What do you cry out Hosanna, Hosanna to? What do you praise? Who do you praise? As I like to share with my congregation, you will never know the good news unless you come to grips with the bad news. And the bad news is, once again, of all of creation, you and I are the only ones that don't declare his glory. But the good news is we can cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. May this gospel truth and this good news then spur us forward into the praise of his glorious name into the declaration of his glory that both individually as attendees and members of Cornerstone Church and collectively as a church and corporately as Christ's universal church with our church over down yonder, may we declare the praises of him and the glory of God. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much once again that, Lord, that you remind us that you have actually created us to be worshipers, that we like to praise things. And the real question is, what do we praise? And we see that from your scriptures all the way from the Old Testament, you have called us to praise your Son, Jesus Christ. And that in his humility, even at the cost of his image, and even at the cost of his life, he obeyed so that your word would be fulfilled, but also so that sinners like us can be forgiven and saved. Thank you for raising your son to glory from death, the price he paid for us, and may this good news then motivate and spur us even more to worship and to praise our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this reminder once again. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.